This episode contains spoilers. Please listen responsibly. Hello everyone, my name is Jason Ramirez, and welcome to episode 4 of The Hit List, a podcast where me and a guest cross off films from our watch list by watching them. I am joined today by producer, filmmaker, and HSF scholar, Pedro Castro Jr. Welcome Pedro, thank you for being here. Hi, thank you, thank you for having me. So, we know each other from HSF, uh, we, for the Media Entertainment Summit. Do you mind giving us a little more background as to who you are, because we, we kind of barely know each other. No, yeah. Well, I just graduated from the University of Texas at Austin with a degree in radio television film. I do want to be a filmmaker that makes me, like significant media that puts representation of like Latinos and other under, underrepresented um, ethnicities and... I really hope that after this, after COVID, I hope that the entertainment industry starts booming up and I hope I get a job somewhere. <laughs> you and me both, man. You and me yeah. Both. So, Pedro, can you tell me what your viewing habits are when it comes to streaming services? Yeah, well, I think I know there's a, really, a lot of discussion about like streaming services. Should they be a thing? Should be they be awarded stuff and stuff? But I think it's a really like easy way to go and and start like for a cinephile or for like someone who likes movies i think it's a very like accessible way to just make an account and just watch whatever you want and of course it's like the cinematic experience going to a theater is something different like maybe you want to go there for like your favorite movie but of course the streaming services give you like that way to like just go and just watch the movie you want and and i do it a lot i like just sit down on my couch or like I'm in a trip or something. I just pop up my phone and start watching a movie or a TV show. Yeah, I could say that throughout my years, um, I've gone from like watching the watching movies on my on our family's like big screen TV with the surround sound system down to just watching on my phone. Because like back then, I'd be like, no one go on their phone at all. Now it's like a few years ago, but now it's just like oh, I'll be on my phone sometimes. But then like if I miss something, I'll just rewind. So that's yeah. kind of like how my viewing habits are. And I find myself doing the same thing with the two films that we're going to discuss today. So the two films that we'll be discussing today are Bumblebee, which is directed by Travis Knight, and Candyman, written and directed by Bernard Rose. So Bumblebee was on your list, Pedro. Um, yes. Can you tell us a little bit why it was on your list? Well, yes. I've been a huge uh, fan of the Transformers franchise. I did enjoy the all the action of um, the Michael Bay movies. And when this movie was announced, I was like, this is interesting. I'm not sure what i expect from it but i do want to watch it when it comes out and it had a really good cast i see that john cena was there and he's a rising i think he's a rising star he's pretty good highly steinfeld and i'm like okay i'm gonna watch it i ended up not watching it it's just like i think it came out like during like one of my semesters or one of my busiest semesters i didn't get to watch it in theaters and i kept pushing it back kept pushing it back and when jason came up and told me told me that if I wanted to watch a movie out of my list, I'm like, oh, Bumblebee's on this streaming service. I'm going to watch it. Um, and I did. And I did find it really enjoyable. Yeah, so I have a different opinion about that. But um, the, I think the main thing is because I could tell it was di- directed by a different director without uh-huh. even knowing it. Like, when I was watching it, I'm like, this is not directed by Michael Bay, is it? And I, and I looked online like, oh, no, it's not. Huh, it's the only one that wasn't. Yeah. So, yeah, the same thing for me. I've been a fan of Transformers since, like, the... First movie came out in 2007, mm-hmm. and I rewatched it recently when once the pandemic started started up, and I'm like, wait a minute, 
yeah, this is what I remember really liking this movie, and I actually still enjoy it because like there's just so many elements that are happening, like so many characters from like different yeah. parts of the world, like interacting with each other, like different experiences with the robots, and then like they come together to like defeat the Decepticons, mm-hmm. and that's actually one of the things I enjoyed because like they kind of poke fun at like the whole. There's like a little some metal jokes in there. Yeah, like John Cena even said they they're called the Decepticons. Like, are you really gonna trust someone that whose name is? Decepticons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. John Cena had a little like very like fast, nice quips that I really liked. Yeah. So um, I can say that like the beginning sequence when they're on Cybertron, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Oh yeah, that was it. Just like brought me back to my childhood. It was so so, so cool. Yeah, because I, I never would have imagined that we would see Cybertron yeah. like in a in a big budget American movie. Like it's mm-hmm. always like Transformers on Earth, but never on Cybertron. And like oh. Oh, they're on, they're on Cybertron. Yeah, and just the way, like, I don't know, I kind of like the way that Bumblebee showed the CGI of the, like, the world and the, how the Autobots and Decepticons were. I feel like the Michael Bay ones are, like, very, like, complex robotics, kind of, and this one was more, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it. It was, more, it was robotic, but it was more cartoonish in a way, like, more vibrant colors and more, like, blocky. And I don't know, like, I kind of liked it. Yeah, it's it's very different in that sense because um, I did see it was supposed to be, originally it was supposed to be like a uh, a prequel, a spinoff. Yeah. But then I saw later on, it's, not, it's now just a reboot of the universe. So I think that's why they kind of changed the way they look. They look make it look more colorful um, just because okay. people are more, people just expect it more nowadays, you know? They want more colorful, like, superheroes and franchises. Yeah. Because we're so used to, like, the, the how do you say, like, the saturation of, like, the Dark Knight era. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's like dark and gritty. Like, why can't Wolverine wear spandex? Come on, guys! Like he he's he wears yellow spandex. Just let him wear it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like because of all that, all of that, people just want to make everything feel like realistic that they exist in the real world, and not make it kind of like look like cartoonish. But I feel like there should be a balance between like it can still exist in the real world and still look kind of odd and kind of different. So I think the. Like I'm different than you because like I didn't like this movie. Really? Like I thought it was, I thought it was fine, and I thought if it was like a movie that like you just turn on TV mm-hmm. and it just happens to be on, you can watch it and like just not care about it. But like this isn't a movie I go out of my way to see again, and if there are there are a few reasons why for that. The first one being that like when they, the be, the beginning when they introduce um Haley Seinfeld's character, mm-hmm. there are like three different instances of them like introducing her. First is the one at home, then it's the time at work, and then it's her hobby, which is like car making or like yeah. detail, uh, repairing mechanic. cars. Yeah, yeah, mechanic, being car mechanic. Yeah, I don't know these words, man. I'm not a car mechanic. <laughs> and I just felt like they were all too long um, for themselves. I personally would have like, if I if I wrote the movie, I personally would have just gone with the mechanic scene first. Mm-hmm. Where she's at the junkyard and she finds it and then go on later. But you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not paid to do this. I'm not paid to write, write a movie. The thing I really disliked was how, like, a lot of the actors were supposed to portray teenagers, and they all looked like they are in their 30s. Yeah. So, like, the nerd that liked her, even though he's 23, he didn't look, um, he looked a little bit older than 23. Like, the act- his actual age is 23, and then the character he plays is supposed to be, like, around 17 or 18. Yeah. Uh, he didn't look like that. And I was like, why is this old man creepy on this young girl? Like, even though I know... <laughs> Haley, Haley and I are like the same age just like, yeah. like I, I know she's 23 but she kind of plays a convincing um 18 year old cause like she I will give props to her for playing that character very well mm-hmm. 
But like everything else, like also like the fact that like they're like the stereotypical, the archetype, I guess not stereotypical, but like the archetype of like the the blonde, the blonde mean girl, whatever. Oh yeah, the, the bullies her. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah, all, that whole like trio right there. And basically, I hate those archetypes and I hate those tropes in movies because it's just so overdone. No, and, like, yeah. Whenever, whenever I see it, it's just like, yeah, I'm out of the movie. I, I no, I, yeah, I agree with that. It's like, like with that, with the bully, the, the blonde girl just going after her, and then they destroy her car, and like she doesn't come back ever. Like in in the movie, like towards the end, it's like, why would you put that if you're not gonna like address it later on? Yeah, so. I didn't care too much for that character. Mm-hmm. And also, like, they, they kind of did the same thing where, like, they'll, like, introduce characters but they'll not use too much w- with them. So, like, the nerd as well, yeah. even though he was, like, he wasn't really her love interest. Uh, she was his love interest. And he didn't really contribute much to the story beyond yeah. just, like, helping her cre- keep the secret. And then in the end, they're like, okay, I'm here. I'm here to finish the fight. And he's like, no, the, the fight's over. Oh. It would have been cool if the little brother took the place of mammals or like the the love interest brother uh the love interest role <laughs> i think that would have been cool because yeah like, i do agree that mammals character did not really pay uh play any like importance in the in the overall story yeah so like i i can't kind of say that because she kind of has like a uh Haley's character she kind of has like a disconnect with her brother there yeah but if her brother learned um about Bumblebee early on and Memo didn't exist in the movie, their um, relationship growing closer could have been like the the basis of like, could have been like the secondary plot, essentially. Yeah. Like they're, they're apart and then they're together because of like the whole robot coming into their lives. Yeah. Which is essentially like, I noticed this all the way throughout. And I also saw it when Momo B went inside the house to explore. Mm-hmm. It's an E.T. movie, but not done well. Yeah, I can see it. E.T. actually helped um the little boy. If he... Elliot, that's his name, right? In E.T. Mm-hmm. He helped Elliot um, learn how to like, make friends, learn about friendship, grew closer for his younger sister. And this one is just like, Haley, oh, she's she's coming to two terms with the death of her dad. Mm-hmm. She's, not, she's not being whiny anymore, even though it's kind of like a given to be whiny when you're that age. And like my favorite um, bit was when her, I guess her stepdad gave her a book that's, that's said to smile. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> that is like the most tone deaf gift ever yeah i was like oh my god or like you have the, the the nerves to give your like stepdaughter this kind of book it's like okay so i feel like i've been like over going on this conversation i think it's like whenever i don't like something i go on i go on like a whole rant or essentially mm-hmm. saying why i didn't like it so can you tell us why you liked it yeah well i think i liked it because it was very nostalgic of like the show and just bringing back the autobots and the decepticons just like the content like what it means to be an autobot what it means to be a decepticon it was just like it hit me and going back to just like one thing i didn't like though about the movie is that it was supposed to be in the 80s but it didn't really feel like the 80s and it just kept pushing us like all this like 80s music and 80s like tropes and it's like can you stop hitting me in the face with the 80s things like it should have i feel like they should have gone another way to show how this is like the 80s i i mean they could, could have included like the music and stuff but they just like shove it down our throats yeah that's but, a, that's like that's actually something i wrote down like hey pedro you want to know how you're in an 80s movie when they make an <laughs> alf reference <laughs> no yeah and i mean i really like the 80s like the 80s era like the 80s music 80s stuff and i do appreciate the way they they portrayed it but at the same time it's like don't like put like don't shove it down our throats like there should be a way where like 
intertwines with the story without being like, oh my god, look, it's an 80s movie. Uh, what else did I like about the movie? I feel, I feel like I'm just blinded by the by the the fact that it's a Transformers movie. That it focuses on one of my, like the most favorite Autobots in the franchise. So if it wasn't a Transformers movie, so like it's like essentially the same plot, same story, same characters, but it's not Transformers. If it's not Bumblebee, it's like a different robot. Would you like it? Like you say, it was probably one of those movies that you just like, change the channels and you like happen to see if you would watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not saying it's a perfect movie, but it's like I did enjoy a movie. I I did enjoy the movie because okay. it re- it adds to the lore of the like Transformers, and I do. I'm a huge like fan of like uh world building and like adding to the franchise. So maybe that's why I enjoyed it. And of course, I do acknowledge that it's there's a lot of bad things about it, but I mean, it's I like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Like we all just have our own different tastes and opinions about movies. Um, I just like bashing on it because I have fun bashing on movies. But I do see how it can be an enjoyable film. And another thing that I, I, I didn't realize how much lore tra- Transformers had before going no, into this movie. Like, I, I knew there was, like, something going on. Like, there's, like, a rebellion or whatever. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot more going on there. No, yeah. Like, I love the aspect of, like, giving a franchise more and more platforms to, like, just expand their universe. I think that's pretty cool. And, I mean, I think, I think that's one of the reasons why I want to be a filmmaker because you can make, like, create this whole universe through all different platforms. What am I, um, what, the last scene, not the, not the very, like, the post credit scene, but, like, mm-hmm. when Bumblebee transforms into a Camaro and it goes down Golden Gate Bridge and he drives oh, yeah. next to a um, trailer truck. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, that's an homage to Optimus Prime. Yeah. So, now it was nice to see that. It's, I think it's kind of similar to Solo, like, the Star Wars movie where like people a lot of people were pissed like why are you giving us a stolen movie but to me i think i enjoyed it because like you see that this backstory to like you expand the star wars story by giving more characters and telling the story about what happened during this time and i think that's similar to what happened in bumblebee that's why i liked it right so i'm getting i'm, I'm getting the impression that you really like these big franchise movies then right yeah i do yeah, nothing wrong with that. Solo's actually on my list as well. I don't know when I'll watch it. You should watch it. I do agree this there is promise with it. I do know that a lot of people did not want this movie to happen, but I did <laughs> enjoy it. Pedro, do you think you should have seen Bumblebee sooner? No, I actually think it was good for me to that I waited to watch this movie. I feel if I waited when all the buzz was going around when it was coming out, I feel like I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. I feel that if I that now that I waited, it was like all this build up, build up, build up, and then like when I watched it, I was like, oh, this was actually pretty good. Because I feel like if I watched it right when it came out, it was I, it could have been like, oh, this was okay. I didn't really enjoy it because I don't know how to explain myself. It's like it's just that it's just the the, the build up. Like if I would because I waited more and more, there was more desire of me to watch the movie. I see. I understand. That's actually um, the main thing I've been saying for like the past few episodes here is that if I watched it before, I pr- um, I probably wouldn't have appreciated it as much as I do now. Yeah, that's exactly what I was supposed to say. Yeah. So, and I don't know if it's because um, because of the pandemic, we're all kind of like forced to be inside now, or mm-hmm. because like if we watched it then, would we have taken it for granted? So it's just like yeah. you're just wondering, like, eh. So like for some of these movies I've seen. I think I've watched the right time and there's like a couple of movies I think I should have seen sooner because I probably would have enjoyed it as much back then as well. Yeah, and another another reason is like during that movie came out, 
came out, a lot of people were like, this movie's going to suck. This movie's not going to be good. It's a whole different story. People are not going to like it. And then that's all those bad vibes are going to be like, oh, maybe I'm not going to enjoy it. And now that I waited and all the people watched it and I see that people are like, I kind of enjoying it. I kind of like do like this kind of new like uh, turn of the franchise. Now I kind of see that, oh, maybe this movie is enjoyable. Maybe I'm going to like it. And I go and watch it and I'm like, oh, this is okay movie. This is a fine movie. I think that's the same thing that happened with Batman versus Superman mm-hmm. is that it just got so much bad negative vibes towards it. Yeah. And I saw it. I'm like, why are you guys like? I saw it like three times in theaters. That's how much I liked Batman vs Superman. I can see no, no. why people didn't like it, but it, I don't think it deserved all the hate that it got. I agree. I did also enjoy Batman vs Superman, and I do agree that all that hate is not. It's uncalled for. It was. I thought it was. It was a good movie, especially if you watch the Ultimate Edition. Oh yeah, it makes it makes it better. <laughs> I think it's also because um, people do that with with Zack Snyder films, like they did it with Sucker Punch back in like 2011. Yeah. And I thought it was going to suck too, but like I watched it um, like back in March. I'm like, this is a lot better than I thought it would be because it's just like, there's more things happening there. Like I, mm-hmm. I recommend watching Sucker Punch because it's Sucker just Punch. like, um, it's like a woman's like escape trying to like handle the world that she's living in. Mm-hmm. So she like escapes into her mind, so, like in a fantasy war- world. Okay. People don't give Sucker Punch enough credit. They don't give Zack Snyder enough credit. And then, like, once yeah. Justice League came out, once Justice League came out, people were like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, because the guy who directed it couldn't direct it anymore. He was, like, he was grieving, so. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsors. Now back to the show. All right, Jason. Candyman was on your list. Why was it? So, uh, I saw this video last year from what, a YouTuber. I forget the name of him. But he basically went on a... He had a video essay about Candyman and how people didn't really appreciate it as much. And he explained like the whole symbolism behind Candyman as well. And I I, I really liked like the video essay. He, he had a very good argument. And he also gave the history of Candyman, like what the story is based on. Mm-hmm. And if you guys aren't familiar, the story is based on a, an actual an actual thing that happened back in the 80s or 90s where a woman in the projects, she had a mental illness. And so people didn't believe her whenever she called 911. She was in a project. She lived on the 11th floor of this project. Mm-hmm. And she said, like, they're coming in from my, from my bathroom mirror. Um, she called 911. That's what, they, that's what she told them. And they didn't know what she meant. But really, it's because, like, if you see the movie, you'll, you know why. Because, like, the way the building was built, the pipes, the, for, a way, for a way for, like, people to, like, fix the pipes, an easier access will be just to connect the bathrooms, like, side by side from the apartments. So, like, they could just, like, take off the mirror and then fix the pipes in there. So that's what happened. She was murdered by someone. Uh, she got shot four times and the fourth bullet killed her um, with like internal bleeding. And I was like, so that's what Candyman is based off? Like, wow, that's an actual horror story it's based off of. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that. Dude, um, there's this, it's an article. It's like a very long article, but it's like explains the whole thing. It's called the came in through the bathroom mirror. So, and also the re- the second reason why is because Jordan Peele it has written the 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 reboot mm-hmm. that's gonna come out this year, and I'm a huge fan of Jordan Peele, so I wanted to see it because I want to see the original because it's supposed to be a sequel, a follow up to the first Candyman that came out in 1992. Yeah, I I did after I finished the movie, I did search it up and I did see that uh, this new movie coming out was going to be a direct sequel to the first one, and they were gonna ignore the other two sequels from like from back then. Yeah. I saw I I haven't seen the second two films, 
Um, but I did see the Candyman three had a ten percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I it. I I looked at Wikipedia, so I'm not sure if it's like the critics or audience. But either way, mm-hmm. it's not a good look. And another thing that cool, I didn't I didn't know about Candyman. I didn't know it was a movie until I did see that, that they released a trailer for Candyman because Jordan Peele was producing it or writing the movie. And and now that you and then then when you said you were gonna watch it, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna watch it too. And I was surprised how good the movie was. Oh, yeah. I've been, like, realizing this because I'll watch, like, films from, like, this decade and the past decade. Mm -hmm. And I'll watch films, like, back in the 90s or so. And I don't know how to explain it in a way that makes sense. But, like, it has a very different feel to it. No, yeah. And not just because of, like, the cameras are different. I think it's because, like, the movies made today are made in studio. Whereas the movie, like, that you see back then, they were actually filmed on location and very limited in studio. Yeah. Well, depending on the type of films that you see. But this one, you can see it was filmed on location. And there were a couple of instances where it was, like, filmed in a studio. It does feel very authentic. And I really like that about, like, those old 90s, 80s movies. And, yeah, I do appreciate the way they, it feels more organic. And not them in, like, like build up, like, the studio, like you said, studio, like a set. Or just CGI everything. Yeah. And it's like the way I, I say it, it just feels more grounded in reality. Yeah. And I, I, I'll discuss with my a couple of my friends like the difference in like Spider-Man movies. And I'm old school. I still like the first two Spider-Man movies by Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. And I, I particularly like the first one because whenever I watch the first one, it just feels very different from the movies you see nowadays. It feels yeah. very different from like Far From Home and Homecoming. And... I think it's because, like, maybe I think particularly it was shot on film, mm-hmm. the Spider-Man uh, with Sam Raimi. And also, it just feels more grounded in re- reality because, like, when he's out on the streets of New York, he's actually in New York City. Yeah. And whereas, like, with Spider-Man Far From Home with Homecoming, that's um, with Tom Holland, you, you don't really get the sense. You can kind of tell. You know it's a mo- money-making movie. Yeah. It's, it's, built, it's built to make money. No, so yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Like you gotta make the money. No, yeah, they're still enjoyable. It's just 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 feel different. Like they hit differently. Exactly, exactly. And it's not like the the Spider-Man directed by Sam Raimi wasn't a money making machine. It was just like the first of its kind to actually make a lot of money. Yeah. So one of the other things that I really liked about this is because like Candyman is a different kind of movie monster in that. He only wants to kill you if you don't believe in him. Oh yeah, that was one of the most interesting, like the most interesting, like plot points that I saw from the movie. Is like he wants you to believe in him so he can survive, and that's the only way he survives. And I do not know of another movie. It's probably some 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 other movie out there, but I do not know of them or that uh, they use the same reasoning of like I kill people because I want people to believe in me. It's a very different um, motive. Yeah, and. Whenever you see horror movies, uh, this is kind of mean, but like usually the people who die kind of deserve it. Mm-hmm. Either because like that's just like a horror movie trope. Like the people who are dying, who are being killed are the ones who like committed a sin yeah. and they need to die. Or they're too stupid to like not follow common sense. Like don't go through that door. <laughs> go the opposite way. Yeah. Usually they deserve it. But this one, no one deserved to die. Yeah. Like, they're all innocent people. And I'm like... That's what made it more scarier to me because, like, they, they just, it just came out of nowhere, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, like, how the killings were, they're, like, so brutal and, like, Ooh. so graphic. It was, it's, like, legitimately scary. It's not like one of those movies that just pop up and pop up. It did really, really remind me of the Hereditary movie, which is probably one of the best movies of, 
like the past 10 years it was it's one of my favorite movies because it like it makes you makes you like scared like shitless like you it's not it's not <laughs> it's not like pop-ups like there's stuff in that movie that just keeps you like oh my god this thing is actually happening and i'm very unnerved it's very unnerving and i'm very uncomfortable and i feel that same way with Candyman because he would just go out and kill people with his hook and just like rip them apart and he was like I'm very uncomfortable right now and I want to leave. <laughs> and um, another thing I noticed that this is the one of the first movies I've seen where I actually felt in, I don't, I don't want to say it's one of the first movies I felt immersed in, but it's a movie I haven't seen in a long time where like I actually felt immersed in the movie. Yeah. Like I was in that world because like the, the characters felt very real. Like the, the pretentious professors that her husband is like friends with, it's like, yeah. oh, okay. Y'all exist in real life. So, yeah. and also, <laughs> and also uh, like, Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say that the the performance from the from the lead actress, I forgot her name in the movie. She was Helen. really good. Yeah, she was really good. The way she portrayed everything, she was she was fantastic. Yeah, she was very good. And like my favorite scene is when she goes back. She escapes from the mental hospital and she goes back to her apartment and she sees that like the student that like was flirting with her husband yeah. is now living with her, living with him. I was like, "Yo, she's a she's about to go crazy," yeah. and you kind of you kind of see the very small inkling she goes a little crazy, and it's like foreshadowing to like what she will become later on, because uh-huh. you kind of see like, "Oh, she's very intimidating right now," and she she asks him like, "What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of?" <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, she was really good, and I also didn't know this, but like the actress Virginia Madsen, mm-hmm. I believe her name is. She's one of the characters in Swamp Thing, the show that came out last year on DC Universe. Really, and she's she's very good in that show. Okay, it's interesting. Unfortunately, got canceled. Yeah, so after one season, there's no, no more news, dude. I we still don't know what happened. Yeah, no, we still no, yeah. I was arguing with my one of my friends who's a huge DC fan, and he was like, "Why did why did it like why did it cancel it?" And I was trying to research for it. Like, no one knows. No one knows. There's only one that I think is. Only one reason mm-hmm. that's like a rumor, but I think is like close to what happened is that there there was like an error in the budget, so there was an extra zero where there shouldn't have been an extra zero. Okay. So it went from like one hundred twenty million to twelve million. Okay. So I have I don't know what it, what what the but was I don't know if it was for the budget I don't know if it was for the studio mm-hmm. I don't know if it was for like the city that we're going to shoot in but I think it's because there was a budget issue a budget misinformation and they were going to lose a lot of money if they continue there so they just like pulled it after the one season yeah so that's what I that's what I think happened but it's just a rumor I have no idea I might as well make a documentary because like what 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 really happened yeah because that was a great show it's it combined horror with science fiction and also with like medical horror if you know what i mean because like they're trying to figure out what's really going on with the people who are like getting sick in that community yeah no yeah i feel like dc's doing like a lot of like uh experimental stuff and i really like that i did not watch the whole season is there there's a whole season right or the swamp thing yeah yeah i watched the first episode i I liked it and but I didn't go back to it because it got canceled. So I just figured it's like, I'm not going to like it. But now that you say, I might just go back and continue it. Oh, yeah, definitely go back. There's like a post credit scene for like the last episode. Uh-huh. that just makes me very sad that it got canceled because that introduced someone who's going to be there for like this. I heard another rumor. Um, so like these are all basis claims. Mm-hmm. They're originally the plan was for them to have three seasons of Swamp Thing and then eventually do like a crossover with like the other DC shows. 
to make Justice League Dark. Okay. Well, are, isn't J.J. Abrams developing a uh, Just, Justice League Dark for HBO Max? Yeah, I think... I, I know there's been, like, a movie project in the works for, like, years now. Mm-hmm. At one point, Guillermo del Toro was attached. Or, yeah. like, he said he expressed interest in it. I don't know what's going on, but, like, I hope J.J. Abrams isn't on it because I just don't trust him anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has a way of writing that I don't agree with. What What is that? Like... The mystery box. Do you know about that? Not really. No, I don't. Okay. I, I've heard so, of it. I heard of it, but I, I didn't really never, like, research or what it means or what it is. Okay. So he gave a TED Talk years ago. Mm-hmm. Something about the mystery box. And this is something that you'll see in almost every single movie he's produced or directed over the years. You'll see it in Lost. You'll see it in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. And mm-hmm. you'll see it in um, The Force Awakens. So essentially, like, there's this like a box. And inside, there's something very special inside. But you don't know what's inside. But you do everything you can to try to find out what's inside. And that's how he writes his stories. Where like he'll, he'll start like something, like a mysterious force that he doesn't know anything about. And then he'll write stories around it, but like he doesn't complete it. Okay. So like essentially, like once once it gets around to like they're getting closer to the box, they're getting closer to discovering the mystery inside the box. It's just disappointing because he didn't know what to do from the beginning, and by the ending, it's just disappointing. So oh. that's why I don't agree. I don't okay. agree with his style of writing. I think it's a great exercise. I think it's a great way to write the first draft. But I don't think it's a way to like write out a whole entire series oh. and then end on like a. What the hell? What? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe if, like if he knew what it was inside inside the box from the beginning, like just just know or have an idea of what it is, and then build everything around it, and then just move everything to like it's gonna build up to this thing inside the box. I know what it is, but I'm not gonna tell you guys until like later. And then maybe that could work. I don't know. But if you like just do it and like you don't really know what it's gonna happen, you just leave it in like mystery or like open ended. I feel like that's kind of meh if you don't know what you're doing. I think it could work to an extent, but I still think like the people who are like following the story will be disappointed as well because they'll have their own theories about it. Yeah. And then like, it will be disappointing. And not to say like fans can sometimes be a little too much. Um, yeah. I can say as a fan yeah. myself, I've been a little too much. I've been like, I've been like the girl from Misery sometimes. Have you seen Misery? No. Oh, <laughs> great movie. I, I don't know. It's not on Hulu anymore, but you should watch Misery. I'll add it to my list. You add it to your list. That's great. But like, I saw Misery like last month, mm-hmm. and while I'm not the murderous person that she is, she did say something. She did go go. She did go on some rants mm-hmm. that I've gone on before with my own favorite TV shows. I'm like, oh, I'm a little crazy too. <laughs> Where fans can be kind of crazy, but like they can also be. You also don't want to disappoint them because they are making you money. No, yeah, you know? I agree. I agree there should be a balance in there. I'm the type of like movie goer that it's like, I enjoy any kind of movie. I know art is subjective and you have your own opinion on it, but I do enjoy any kind of movie, even though it's bad. I do enjoy it because it's different. <laughs> and I do have friends that just like bash in movies and I do agree with them, but I mostly focus on talking about the good things about the movie, not the bad things. Not saying they're bad, that there's no bad things. I do agree there's bad things, but I do just try to focus more on the good things, if if any. I try to learn from the bad things. Like, no, I yeah. acknowledge them there and then learn from them, just so I don't make the same mistake. No, yeah, I agree. You should be learning from the bad things. I do learn from the bad things, but at the same time, I do learn from the good things and try to say, like, okay, this is this works. I'm going to use it. If it doesn't work, I'll make sure I don't do that. Right. So back to back to um, Candyman, which was our original topic. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So like whenever Helen ex- met Candyman, like, oh, actually, I'm going to edit in spoilers at the beginning of this episode mm-hmm. because I'm going to, I, I can spoil the whole movie. But like the first time you see Candyman walk in, who wasn't Candyman, like the, it was just like a gangbanger. Yeah. Pretends to be Candyman. And they just beat her up in the bathroom. When that happened, I just thought that was like the most, that was the most unclimactic entrance ever. The way that happened. I think that was on purpose. Because it just zoomed up from this floor up to like his his face, mm-hmm. and like there was like no music or anything, no nothing at all, no ominous like tones, no uh, ominous sound effects, no music, just him walking into the bathroom, and she's still taking pictures, and so like that's very unclimactic. Yeah, I was re- I was thrown off by that. It's like they're just like straight up show him, and like they not no add mystery to it, and then later on it's like okay. Makes sense now. Which is exactly what, what causes her to not believe in him. Yeah. And then exactly what causes him, which causes Candyman to actually like say, hey, I have to kill you now because now people don't believe in me. Come on. It, it has to happen. Yeah. And the second part is that whenever she like wakes up after meeting him, so like every single time she, she meets him, she's like under hypnosis, mm-hmm. which is something I read on Wikipedia is that Bernard Rose didn't want to do the typical screaming when she sees him. He wanted to do something different. So like they put her under hypnosis every time um, she met him. So like she's like not in control. She doesn't have any autonomy over her body. Like she's like under his control essentially. And every time when she wakes up after like the, the hypnosis, Mm-hmm. she's at a crime scene <laughs> and like i don't blame the off the cops for like for like believing she did it because the evidence was damning right there yeah like the first time when like she's like it, she wakes up she's in uh Anne marie's apartment and there's like blood all over her and she hears Anne marie screaming mm-hmm. and then she sees a knife on the floor and she picks it up because she wants to help her like i understand like the, the mentality there but like i'm like don't okay you picked it up don't oh, okay and you see the dog's decapitated head i'm like yo yeah Yeah, that was super crazy that's like i don't want to see this oh my god i was like and that dog was big and scary too like yeah (laughs) and then i saw the blood on the baby's crib i thought the baby died i thought they were gonna show i thought they were gonna show like some kind of like just like meat mesh around the the crib or something i'm like same but they just showed blood but still was very disturbing to watch yeah because i was like yo they killed the baby like that's they don't do that in American <laughs> films. And it's an American yeah. film. They don't kill the kid. Like, they'll kill the kid. But, like, they'll show off screen. Yeah. Which is something that's, like... That's why this movie is, like, very different. And the shock value is there. Because they show the... Um, when, like... I forgot his name. I think it was Jake, the little boy. Hold on. Let me let me see his name. I think I wrote it down. Is it Anthony? Or was Anthony the baby? I think Indian was the baby. The boy was named Jake. Okay. So, Jake said... um, When Jake was telling the story about the boy that died in the public bathroom... And they show like the mangled body of him. Oh yeah. And like the way um the blood was like all around his like on general area and like yo they, he castrated him like yo yeah this Candyman is like out of nowhere so like I kind of expected the baby to be dead and then when like the cops were questioning her they're like where's the baby I'm like oh the baby's still safe yeah yeah but he's in danger. Another thing I saw that I was expecting to see though in the movie was um I forget I keep forgetting her her name the Ellen. The main character? Helen. Helen. Uh, she was, like, um, going mad. There's a whole reason for, like, her to go mad, but I didn't really see her go crazy. Because I noticed, like, these things are actually happening and there's people dying and, like, no one believes you. And then I would have liked to see more of her, like, going into madness. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. She, she kind of stayed sane throughout the whole thing, even when she, like, 
she did, I did see her going insane, like you said, like you can see in her eyes, she's about to go insane, she's about to like go berserk and start killing, but at the same time, or like right before she's about to snap or something, she'll like go back into the, that like normal stance, or like, for example, whenever she was at the fire, she's like, she comes into her senses and uh, she's like, I don't want to go with you, Candyman. I want to go save the baby. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I think I read that she's coming back for the sequel, for like the Jordan Peele sequel. And I, I'm wondering what she's going to play because she's dead. I know Tony Todd, the guy who played Candyman, he's coming back to re- re- reprise his role as yeah. Candyman. And I know Anne-Marie, the woman, who, the one that whose dog died, yeah. she's coming back as well. I think because um, the story takes place in a gentrified um, location based off like the building. I don't know if Helen's coming back. I didn't see that. I'm not. I think I saw it somewhere. I'm not really sure. But if she is, I wonder what she's gonna play. But if she's not, then oh well. I also saw that the the main character's name in the new movie, his name is Anthony. Ooh. I, I think. So I mean, Let's check. yeah. And it would be interesting. If he was the, the baby, which is I like. Which I like. If it's that's if that's the case, I like it because it's expanding on the story. Oh, it's actually Anthony. It is Anthony, right? I'm not sure if it's like any relation to baby Anthony. His name is Anthony McCoy, and I think his mom's name was Anne Marie McCoy. Oh, so the woman's name is Anne Marie McCoy, uh-huh. and a character for the new Candyman movie, his name is Anthony McCoy. So I, they, there could be some relation right there. Yeah. There could be like maybe that's the baby because he would be around that age by now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see now, it. Now, yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching the movie. So I, the YouTuber that I saw the video that made me want to watch this movie, mm-hmm. he said he wanted Helen to become like the new Candyman after Candyman because Candyman essentially died in the bonfire in the end. Yeah. And then Helen became the new urban legend uh, when she killed, what's his name? Trevor, mm-hmm. who who really deserved it, honestly. Oh yeah, like, he, he was kinda, a huge piece of shit. Oh my god, he he's the only one who earned, who deserved his death because like, how can you cheat on a woman as great as Helen? Like she she's like she's smart, okay? She um she cares about you and she cooks you food. Yeah, when she doesn't have and to. I do, and I like that scene they showed where he was remembering Helen and how she was like way better when of what she what he had now at that moment. She didn't want to cook anything, like the, the cottage she wouldn't want to cook anything. She was just throwing the meat around. And Helen over here, she's working her ass off, like making the perfect dinner for him. Yo, and did you notice that like the, the new woman that he was with, like the new, I guess she's a young girl. She must have been like, what, 19, 20? Yeah, probably like 20 something. <laughs> she kind of like resented him. Like, did you see like the, the way her face reacted every time? Like after like she answered him, like she's like, <sighs> yeah, she's like, just like a scowl. I'm like, yo, you resent this man. What the hell? So, Jason, you think you should have seen this movie sooner or? So, I don't think I um, should have seen it sooner. I think this is like the perfect time for me right now to watch it. One, because I just started getting more to horror movies. Mm-hmm. And Candyman is a type of horror movie I would have been afraid to watch when I was younger. You know what I mean? Because it has like everything. Like It's like scary. It's like bloody and gory. Mm-hmm. And now, like, as, like, a little more seasoned filmmaker, I can say for myself, like, I've, I've made a few films, shoot films, if you could call it that. I can definitely appreciate more films based on, like, how they're made. I can appreciate their cinematography and acting a lot more because I see what's really going on. Like, oh, they did this very well, given what they had, the resources they had at the time. So I think this, I think I watched this at the perfect time. And I'm really glad this movie wasn't on my list too long. This I put this on my list, like, last year. It wasn't available then. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix now as of this recording. So I really liked watching this movie. 
So if you guys can watch it, uh, I would recommend watching Candyman. That's like a really good movie. Yeah, no, yeah. My roommate got me into like all these like horror movies. We were binge watching uh, all the Saw movies before all the COVID happened. And I really enjoy it. Now that I have all this ex- expert uh, expertise of like filmmaking stuff, I like I do like see what's going on and I can like scrutinize the movie to the point where I still enjoy it without like ruining the movie for me. But I do uh, I started getting more and more into horror films and and watching Candyman uh, really gave me that opportunity to be like, oh, this is like this is really good horror film and I should be watching more and more things and and see how it they are made and how to make a good movie without like all these pop-ups and and like one of those like like spoofy uh not cartoonish but like those movies where let's just like like i said pop-ups or like i don't know what other tropes those movies have the idiot main character yeah yeah like like visceral unnerving kind of horror yeah so yeah i can definitely appreciate this movie because it's like it's unlike any other around that time oh yeah and i even watched the original friday the 13th mm-hmm. like a few weeks ago and I'm like, why did this get really popular? <laughs> this is such a horrible movie, Friday the 13th, yeah. like the original, the first one. I like, it, I could see for myself, oh, this is a very cheaply made movie. So like they would have eventually made money, but like, it's really bad. <laughs> yeah, it's very campy. It's very like, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like, I don't want to say, well, yeah, I'm going to say it. it. It's like, a, it's like a joke. <laughs> like they try to make fun of someone and... They're like, oh, when we want to make this movie, but I want it to be scary too, and they just couldn't like find the balance there. But it's, I mean, it got popular. It's one of those like, uh, it got a following. Well, yeah, had how many like sequels and reboots, and also a TV show that ran for three seasons. Yeah. So can't really knock them. Can't really knock them. I guess. We reached the end of our discussion on Candyman and Bumblebee. Uh, Pedro, thank you so much for being here. So before we go, I want to ask you. Were the movies a hit or a miss with you? I believe that both movies were a hit for me. Okay, both movies, Candyman and Bumblebee. Awesome. Uh, for me, Candyman was a huge hit, right on target. Uh, Bumblebee was a miss. Bumblebee was a miss. I think that I made that perfectly clear. Yeah, I respect that. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Hopefully the Netflix Transformers series is better. So where can our listeners find you on social media? Yeah, so my Instagram, you guys can follow my Instagram. It's at petcast nine or my twitter it's it's ped underscore cast nine p-e-d-c-a-s-t nine go ahead and follow him on instagram everyone go ahead and follow him on twitter as well i don't use twitter maybe i do you never know so that's the episode folks thank you so much for listening until next time cross off a new film from your list Thank you for listening to the Hitlist Podcast. If you like this episode, please consider giving us five stars and leaving a review. It really does help. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Hitlist Podcast and Instagram at the underscore hitlist underscore podcast.